All right, today's message is entitled, Prepare for Increase. Prepare for Increase. I was writing this message and had no idea what was going to transpire this week, and I got excited as uh, things were transpiring and things were changing, that uh, this is the message that God wants for us today. It's really a message about an overview of things to come. Because in the next six months, you know, from now until the journey out through this year, I want to pick up certain topics that are related to increase and begin to wade into those about what they are. Uh, like the first one that I want to get into is prayer. And oftentimes we know that prayer is important, but we don't sometimes wade into certain aspects of prayer, such as what does it mean to agree together in prayer? What happens when we agree? Who are we supposed to agree with in prayer? And I want to I talk about, I've invited Wanda to come and preach. She has a great message on authority that God has given us and how do we receive more authority that God has given us. And I want to invite her to come and bring that message to us. I want to I talk about uh, binding and loosening. What does it mean really to bind and loose? Because right after Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He told the church, those listening and us, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind and whatever you loose. And sometimes we know that and I don't think that we have the, the fullest understanding of what that means, what that involves. And uh, lots of times prayer is about how much authority that we have. And what does it mean to carry God's authority when we pray? So that's some of the aspects of, of coming. I want to talk to you about prayer. And then I also want to talk about evangelism. What does it mean to really share our faith with people that don't have uh, their faith in Christ? They might have their faith in, in their job or faith in their money or faith in their family or faith in whatever. But that's not faith in Jesus. What does it mean to share our faith? I want to bring a message about heaven and a message about hell. To really understand what it means of where we're going and also understand what it means if we don't follow Christ and kind of bring some uh, understanding to that. So I'm excited about that. I've never really preached on that dimension before in that way, but I'm excited to walk into that. What does it mean to be a light in a dark world just to share our faith in that way? Then I, I want to, towards the fall, we're going to jump into discipleship because uh, really uh, Jesus said, come and follow me. But what did he have in mind when we would follow him that we would be a, a disciple? We would come, become people that, that really became like him, that we would follow him, become like him, and then be able to disciple others. And I've recently redid a book that I wrote earlier called Living a Changed Life. And it's kind of setting in boxes right now, and we're going to bring it out in the fall. Have a, uh, we're going to have a time where we'll have coordinated between messages and small groups and videos that we really walk through the book together so that you understand what it is, so that you can then disciple somebody else when they come to Christ. I had a friend of mine, uh, uh, we pastored together previously, and he saw it and he bought one. I was surprised he bought one, and, and he kept he kept texting me all the way through saying, wow, this is good. This is good, Bobby. And I said, I like, what are you doing with it? And he's like, well, I'm going through it because I'm going to take some new believers through it. And I want to go through it first. I mean, he's a mature, seasoned pastor. He said, I want to go through it first so that I know what they're, they're coming into and to be able to, to help them through that. I'll go, wow, he catches it. He understands it. So that's what we're going to do when we reach the fall. And then there's two other topics I'm going to walk into, and that is that when we have an increase, there's also an increase in generosity. 
If you've ever read the book of Acts, you will understand it's not just about signs and wonders and miracles. There was an incredible wave of generosity that was in that church and in the hearts of those people. And so I want to talk about what that means. And then finally, we'll end up with this really strange word, yet vitally important. It's a word called margin. That in order to see the increase, we have to understand the value of margin. It means how we run our lives, how we run our finances, how we have an outlook that we actually have what we're doing, but we actually have space to rest and reflect and think. That's called margin. To really not just plow through, but really back up and hear what God is saying. And so I want to talk about this. That's kind of where we're headed in the next six months. And again, I will be bringing all the messages. We'll have special speakers that will come at different times and, and so forth. But uh, that's kind of where we're headed here. Sounds exciting, right? Amen. I'm excited. So prepare for increase. Isaiah 62, verses 10 through 12. Isaiah 62, 10 through 12. This was a verse given to us in our international conference this year at uh, Dove. I don't often pick up the theme of the conference and make it a theme for us as a church, but I did this this year. I felt like that what God was saying to them, he was saying to us, and obviously we're a part of them. But Isaiah 62 says this, uh, um, these words, again, just, just two verses here. It says, pass through, pass through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, raise a banner for the nations. The Lord has made proclamation in, to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, See your Savior comes. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. And they will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought after a city no longer deserted. Do you love increase? I like increase as long as it's related to my finances. I don't like increase when it's related to my waistline. Right? We don't like increase when it's on the other side of the balance sheet. It's on the expense side of the balance sheet. We don't like increase on that side. And yet we're living today in an economy that has a lot of increase on that side, doesn't it? A lot, you know, the gas pump and the groceries and, and medical bills and whatever. It seems like the supplies. There's just a lot of increase on the expense side. And there's not as much on the income side. A couple of months ago, I was driving and I saw the gas price at 4.19, and I don't always get prophetic words from gas prices, but <laughs> this one just happened to, to latch on to me. I said, 4.19, 4.19. I think that's a verse in the Bible. And sure enough, I looked it up, and it said this: "My God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory." And I'm like, "Yeah, God, all right, that's awesome. I got it." It seems like it's expensive, but my God's going to supply all my need. And then gas went to 429. And again, I thought, wait a minute, that's another verse. So I began to look it up, and sure enough, here's what it was. Let no unwholesome thing come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up to those that listen. And I was like, yes, God, I got that message too. See, it's uh, one thing to... You know, see it happen, it's another thing to have the right perspective. 
So prepare for increase. Let's jump in here and, uh, and look at number one. First of all, growth is both intentional and organic. Growth is both intentional and organic. Those of you that have children, you know that you just feed them and they grow. I mean, it's just like you don't really do anything else. You don't send them to a seminar to grow. <laughs> you don't sit down and say, now you're going to grow this week. No, it just happens. It's organic. And yet, uh, you also have to plan meals. I mean, if you would starve your child, they just wouldn't grow in, the, in a healthy way. You have to actually plan out what you're eating. And sometimes you stay away from certain things because they're unhealthy for you. And so in the same way, if we want to increase, sometimes it happens spontaneously or organically. And other times it happens because we're intentional about it. It says in verse 10, it says, go through, go through the gates. Another translation says, pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Now, the, the context of this verse is Isaiah is prophesying to God's people. They'd been in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. And God's spirit came and visited the prophet. And he said, now it's time to go home. My people, let them go. So actually, the word pass through doesn't mean to come in. It means to go out. To go out the gates. Pass through the gates. Go out from your captivity back to your homeland. That's the direction that it's headed. So sometimes if we don't know that, we can misinterpret. Maybe it means to come in. No, it's actually saying go out. So he's saying to God's people that the harvest is plentiful. As we go out, as we intermix with the people that God puts us with, that we go out together. And as a result of that, we will see increase. There's uh, someone in our congregation I heard about recently that God put on their heart that they were going to hold a neighbor, neighborhood Bible study. And so what God put on their heart is that they wanted to study Revelation. Hey, why not? Start in, start in the last book and go for it. And so they didn't have any idea that their neighbors would be interested, so they gave out invitations to all their neighbors. And what they discovered is that I think it was eight or nine people showed up the first meeting, and they said, uh, we're neighbors, we want to we wanna understand, come together, and we want to, uh, you know, we want to study Revelation. So they had their first meeting. What they found out is there was a lot of varied opinions, <laughs> if you can imagine. There were people that came that, that they, I'm not even sure they were born again. There were other people that came that were very entrenched in a certain, certain uh, understanding of theology. And there were other people that came that were kind of open, like, you know, I just, I just want to learn. And so it was kind of challenging, but kudos to that person that said, hey, I want to start something in my neighborhood. Let's test and see if God has something on others' hearts to come together. And they did it. And they came in and they talked to Pastor Chris and he gave some great tips and they're like, I'm going to go for this thing. So that's what it means to go out. is to say, what has God put on your heart? And then just to begin to do it and just begin to collect people together and to uh, uh, bring them together and see what God does. See what, and it's going to be challenging when it comes. And I'll talk about that in, in a few moments. We'll talk about the stones. But I thought that was really, really great. So there is a place for planning and strategy. For increase we love it you know when it happens organically but there's a place Jesus talked about it in Luke 14 23 when he was holding a banquet and he he wanted every chair filled because he had food to feed everybody and the people that he invited they didn't want to come 
And so he told the servants, the master told the servants, go out to the highways and the byways, and I want every chair filled. And he commanded them to, to go out and to do that. In uh, Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent the 12 out to minister, he sent them out. He gave them very specific instructions. It was planned. It was strategy. Here's what he said. He said, uh, to those 12, he sent out with the following instruction. Do not go among the Gentiles or, or enter, enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have forgiven, freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper or take with you in your belt. No bag for the journey extra shirt or sandals or staff for the workers worth his keep. In other words, don't really take provisions because as you minister to other people, they will give to you because they have received from you and been blessed. So Jesus is very specific about sending the, his disciples out. He had clear plans and strategy for them to do and to not do. And they followed that and they, they were fruitful. I love uh, Proverbs 16.9 where it says... We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so God expects us to plan. He doesn't, he doesn't in fact, I've heard it said one, one way, if we don't plan, then God can't direct our steps because he has nothing, no plans in place. In fact, he expects us to strategize and plan, and then he directs the steps from there. That's kind of what we're doing in building our legacy. We're in this place right now where we've done uh, a phase that God had called us to 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 do is to raise five hundred thousand dollars and through your generosity and God's guidance we made it there and now we're there and so we're waiting on the next steps that the Lord would outline for us and we need to be patient and we need to stay in faith believing that God is directing us to do this so that the next generation can be blessed we'll enjoy it some but the next generation can be blessed and I'm excited because when I look at the, the economy that we're in, I think, oh, my, this is not the place to look and to build or, or whatever God brings us. It's not the time to do that. And yet, on the other hand, I get pretty excited because we know when it happens, God is going to do it. It's not going to be through our manipulation or our wise planning. God is going to do it. And so uh, I, I really am excited about that. And so the Lord says plan, but he also says that you can grow spontaneously. In fact, I think about the last two years of Crossroads, I, I don't know that we and the staff have really done anything. <laughs> Seriously. And yet, the, the church has doubled in size. And there's people coming that are excited and connecting. And gifts are being discovered. And people are being brought forward in their faith. And that's so exciting. And I look back and I'm like, God, I didn't do anything. It just spontaneously happened. And that's exciting, but at the same time, the Lord reminds me that those that have come drawn by His Spirit, if we don't plan and strategize, then it won't bear the fruit that God has in mind. And so, again, it takes uh, both together of what He has done spontaneously or, or by the Spirit. It also takes us planning together in order to see the, the fruit truly borne out. And so we have both the planning and the spontaneous or the organic I think of a, a, a parable that Jesus told in Mark chapter 4. He said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer 
who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he is asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand now how it happens. The earth produces the crops of its own. First, the, the blade pushes through, then the, the head of the wheat and formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, and harvest time has come. Wow. Again, the farmer just plants the seed, and he's asleep, he's awake. It's just growing. It's just organic. It just happens because that's the way that God formed it. And so I think that we can expect increase in both ways, that plan with strategy and also the spontaneous, the organic, as God would do that as well. Number two, growth always encounters obstacles. Yes, it does. You want to grow? You like you want to lose weight or you want to gain weight or you want to learn a, a, a new craft or a new trade that you haven't before and you purpose to do that, suddenly you'll, you'll encounter obstacles. You won't have enough time or, or, or you'll, you know, you, you set out your, your plan and you blow it one day and, and there's all kinds of things that get in the way when you start to plan and strategize for growth in your life. You want to leave an old habit behind and all of a sudden it kind of grips you in a way that never gripped you before because you're ready to leave it. And that can happen in our life. And so we have to realize that, that uh, growth has its obstacles. I was, uh, I was in a pastor's meeting recently and uh, there, was, uh, there was a couple in their church they had encountered some problems. I really didn't know very much about it but one of the other pastors was praying for them that God would just help them through this time. And as he was praying, I saw, I saw a tamping machine. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's really a machine that, that takes uh, loose gravel or even asphalt, and it, it tamps it. It, it. it puts a lot of pressure in one place, and it really uh, puts a foundation down, a gravel or asphalt, whatever it is, so that when the rain comes or the cars dry over it, that it doesn't, that it doesn't uh, you know, uh, come apart. It doesn't create holes it kind of tamps it down and so I was asking the Lord I said so why is that related to this couple in this situation and and uh, what he said was that they're forming a new foundation that's what was happening so after the meeting I shared this with him he said wow that's right on thank you I appreciate that because recently we had three elders just leave the church over a doctrinal difference I didn't know we had I'm like, wow, that's, a, that's kind of a shocker <laughs> that you didn't know you had. And three elders leave over, over that. I was like, wow, and took 40 people with him. And he said, you know, it's kind of a shock. But he said, I feel like that we're, the church that we have, we're rallying together. The doctrine we have is biblical. And so we're going to go with it. And, uh, and so he was really encouraged by the, uh, by the word that I'd given him as a result of a new foundation being established so that they could grow again. So obstacles, they pop up along the way and that's just um, just the just the reality I have a have a, a point there for you that if we're not intentional in moving forward what's going to happen is that we will uh, regress regress is enacted in other words we'll go backwards if we don't if we don't purpose to go forwards there's really no neutral we can rest that's beneficial but if you don't plan to go forwards, you'll go backwards You'll go, go back into, into what even worse than you had before. So it's, it's purpose that if we want to increase that we plan uh, both with strategy and both with prayer and God will uh, bring about the, uh, 
the increase. The next thing that I um, have there is that a stone can be anything in front of obeying Jesus. Let me read the verse that's uh, connected to that. Isaiah 10, the last, uh, I mean, Isaiah 62:10, the last part of that verse says, Build up, build up the highway, clear away the stones, raise a banner for the people. So the, the, uh, the Lord is telling his people, I want you to build up this highway, and if there's any stones in the way, if there's any obstacles in the way, I want you to identify them, and I want you to remove them. Now, I think that obstacles can, can be moved in two different ways. For instance, Jesus said, I'm either going to be a stumbling block to you or a stepping stone in your life. See, one, one we stumble over. People can't believe that, that we need to be born again through Jesus. It's a stumbling block. Jesus said that would happen. But then also, he says that when you believe me by faith and walk, then, then my name becomes a stepping stone. It's, it's a foundational stone upon which you live your life. And so in the same way, when obstacles come, we need to figure out whether or not they're stepping stones or whether or not they're stones that people will stumble over. In fact, you know, this morning we, we gave our offering declaration and we were in elders meeting last week and that happened to come up. It kind of cycles up different times because we hear comments from people that are new. Those of us that have been here for a while, we understand and appreciate our offering declaration. We've seen God move and we've given testimony. But others that come in that are new, they're like, what is that? And it's almost like a stumbling block sometimes for people to really get past. What, what is that? What are you really saying? Are you naming and claiming it and all this stuff? Absolutely, that's, it's, it, the, the intent of that is so far away from that. But we were examining that in our elders meeting to say, is this a stumbling block for people or is it a stepping stone for people? We didn't come to any conclusion. You, you may be voting in your head right now about what we should say. But we just believe that it's time that when things come up in the church that we actually examine things that could be stumbling blocks for people and say, is this really a stumbling block or is it a stepping stone that needs to be explained and understood? So not every stone you take out, but you do have to examine those stones at different times. And I think I've, I've said there is that what is a stone? It's really anything that we put in front of Jesus. A stone is anything in front of obeying Jesus. And, and that's, that's really uh, uh, wow, um, um, that, that's really what it is. What is it that's keeping us from obeying what God has put on our heart or the right thing to do? What is standing in the way of that? Sometimes it can be a belief. Sometimes it can be a mindset. Sometimes it can be an offense. Sometimes it can be a hurt. I mean, there's all different things that can become stones in our lives that keep us in front of Jesus. A couple of verses that, uh, <clears throat> that I pulled out that relate to this. The first one is in John chapter 8, 31 and 32. Jesus is saying, he said, To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What happens oftentimes is we quote the latter part of that verse and not the former. But see, you can't have the latter part of that verse. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free without first holding to the teachings of Jesus. And sometimes people just make up their own truth and say, I'm free because this is the truth. Well, no, that's your own truth you just made up. 
But Jesus said, no. He says, if you hold to my teachings, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not just whatever truth comes along that you decide is truth, and that's happening a lot today that people are deciding their own truth, and they think they're free when in actuality they are in bondage. Matthew 16 Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So Jesus called Peter a stumbling block. Why? Because he had a stone in between his belief and Jesus' teaching. He was more concerned about the people than he was concerned about God. Now, actually, it's both. Jesus grew in favor with God and man, but it's God first. We do have a concern for people, but it's God first. And we have to keep that in order. And sometimes churches swing over to it's all about the people and the needs. No, we're going to get in trouble if we do that. But at the same time, when we're concerned about God first, then we also need to be concerned about people as well. It's not either or. It's both hand. But there is a sequence and Peter just happened to be more concerned about the people than about the truth of what Jesus is trying to explain. And Jesus had to step in and said, that's a stumbling block. You need to, you need to get that out of the way so you can really see the truth and, and be set, set free. The last one I have uh, kind of illustrating that is in Matthew 16, 23. Jesus, uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump into to Corinthians. I said that one. Corinthians 1, 23. And as Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. So the apostle Paul recognized that, that in his preaching, that uh, certain things that were truth from God's word were stumbling blocks to those who were listening. And yet he realized it was the truth of God. Removing uh, truth is, is sometimes a delicate matter. I mean, removing the stones because it's things that, that we believe and hold on to and are sacred to us. And, and we have to, uh, again, have the Lord direct us as we walk through that time, either uh, as a church or as an individual in order to um, get there. So really the question is, uh, is the stone, um, does it need to be removed or does it need to be placed in the foundation for us to build upon? That is the question. Number three is that when increase happens God's way, everybody wins. When increase happens God's way, everybody wins. In verse 11 of uh, Isaiah 62, he says this, Say to the daughter of Zion, See your Savior comes. See his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. Wow. I love how he starts out. He says, See daughter of Zion. He actually calls Israel a daughter. Most of the time, he's talking about Israel as his son. But in this case, he calls Israel his daughter. And it's kind of like a father, you know, with affection for his own daughter. God was looking at Israel in that way. And he was, says, see your Savior comes. In other words, in the future, God is coming. He's going to work on your behalf. Much like we saw happening on Friday through the Supreme Court. God is working on our behalf and on behalf of the nation. And I think uh, we need to continue to pray because we're going to we're going to realize how many industries and how, how much this, this abortion thing has that if we do, God says he'll reward us. 
All right? Here's the first one. Prayer and fasting. He says in Matthew chapter 6 that if you pray and fast in secret, that God will reward you openly. He will reward you. So think about it. Prayer and fasting. Set aside time to pray, even to fast. God says, I'm going to give you a reward as a result of doing that. That's amazing. That's what God says he will do. Here's the second thing. He says that if you have compassion for the vulnerable, if you have compassion for the unborn, I will reward you. If you have compassion for those that can't help themselves and you help them out, you help them maybe grow past it or give them what they don't deserve, that you actually get re rewarded as a result of that. That's Matthew 25. Here's the next one. Bearing insults for the name of Christ. When you speak up for Jesus, whether it's in the workplace or maybe your own family, you speak up for what is right and people chastise you for that. God says, according to his words, he's going to reward you for standing up and speaking up for what is right. You're going to get rewarded for that. And so we have to be reminded of how God rewards us when we stand up in, in not popular situations. Here's another one. Loving your enemies. <laughs> yeah. God says when you love your enemies in a way that shows love, he says, I'm going to reward you as a result of that. Here's the next one, giving generously. When you learn and understand the principle of generosity and you give generously. I'm not thinking about just material things, but also your time or maybe, maybe, your, uh, um, uh, uh, maybe your talent, skill that you have. Then you just generously help somebody because you have a skill to help them and you do it out of the goodness of your heart. You're going to be rewarded as a result of that. God says, I will reward generous giving Here's another one, hospitality to those that can't repay you. When you give hospitality to those that, I'm not, it's not necessarily an overnight bed, but hospitality is just being kind and generous to people. But when you do that to people that can't pay you, God says, I'm going to reward you. So again, just reminders. Here's uh, three more, uh, endurance through the pressures of life. Have you ever, has life ever pressured you that you want, just want to quit? I've been there a couple of times. I'm really tired. I want to quit. But God says, I'll reward you if you endure through, if you make it through. You make adjustments and come through this thing. I will reward you on the other side as you endure through life's pressures. Here's another one. Quality of work for your employer. Hello. God says, I'll reward you. He says in Colossians 3.23 that if you work for man, uh, work for God instead of man, then I'll reward you with an inheritance. And so when you do quality work for your employer, God says, I'm going to reward you as a result of that. And finally, <clears throat> holding to the truth to the end. When you hold to the truth of the end, God says, I'm going to reward you. Even though it's unpopular, even though it's challenging, God says, you hold to it, then you're going to get the reward in the end. Whatever that means. It doesn't mean the end of our life. It might be the end of that circumstance or that situation, but you hold to the truth. That's why I loved praying with the folks here at Crossroads. We were praying about Danielle, God healing Danielle, because we knew it was going to take a miracle for her to get healed. The doctor had given up. I mean, she was diseased in her body. There was a lot of things going wrong. And we knew that it would take a miracle for God to heal her. And that's what we're asking for. But we stayed in faith to the end. One of the examples I cited was King David. When he had 
uh, relations with Bathsheba out of, out of wedlock. And they had a child as a result of that union. And, and God says, I'm going to take the child's life as a consequence for what you did. And David started fasting. And if you've ever read that, in, uh, you see, I think it's in Samuel. David says, I'm going to fast. Perhaps God would change his mind. And he fasted for seven days, and then the child died. But as soon as the fast was over, David took a shower and, and put on lotion and went to eat. I mean, he was done with it, but he stayed in faith. He, he, he stood all the way up to the end until things changed, and then he went on his way with God. It's an example for us to stand in truth up until the end. Some of you did that in relation to the vaccines, that your company was pressuring you to take the vaccine, and you had in conscience that you didn't want to. And those of you I encouraged, I said, just stand to the end and you'll win. If you cave in beforehand, you might not win through it. But if you stand to the end, you'll win. And many of you did that, and, and God uh, honored you for standing in that way to the end. What does it mean for God to bring with them his recompense? Isn't that a weird word? And yet it's, uh, it's in the Bible several places. What it means simply is this, is that you are given back in return for in some way that you didn't sow into. That's what it means. Recompense is that you are rewarded for something that you did not sow into. In other words, you, or you didn't actually know it was happening, but you were actually rewarded in some way as a result from some other way that you didn't sow into. That's recompense. That's amazing, isn't it? And so God says that I don't only want to reward you for things that you do. All of these this 10 listings, that's things we do. And as a result, we get rewarded. Recompense is something that we didn't do, and God still rewards us. Wow. That's pretty cool. And he says that he wants to bring his recompense with him as well. And only God can, can do that. Here's an example of recompense in Luke 14, 12 through 14. Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or sisters or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back. And you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. That's recompense. God says you did it for people that couldn't repay you. But as a result of you doing it as unto me, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to give you recompense. I'm going to bless you in a way that you don't see coming. Because you stepped out in that way. Number four, when God's blessings are evident, people seek you out. People seek you out. Verse 12 says this, Isaiah 62, 12. And they will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought after the city no longer deserted. And here's what I get from that verse. Is that we must be set apart before we will be sought after. We like to think that people, you know, uh, I've heard the, heard the expression, oh, the wealth of the wicked is being raised up for the, for, the, for the righteous. And that's a verse that we quote, but how's that going to happen? It's going to happen because we have set ourselves apart to honor God. 
and as a result of making wise decisions and as a result of, of treating people rightly and as a result of doing the right thing, suddenly the wealth that was in the hands of the wicked gets put over into the hands of the righteous. It doesn't just happen spontaneously or, or spirit-led. It happens because we have set ourselves apart to honor God in every way that we do life. And as a result of that, making good decisions that are God decisions, God actually takes that industry or that wealth, he takes it out of the hand of those that are mismanaging it for their own glory, and he brings it into the hands of those who will manage it for his glory. That's how it happens. And oftentimes we, we make that thinking that, you know, one day that ungodly people are just going to write us uh, blank checks. No, it's not going to happen. It's going to happen because we have set ourselves apart to honor him and to walk in integrity. And as a result of that, God's going to flow more this way to us rather than to them. And then people are going to say, how in the world are you so calm in the midst of this upheaval? Why do you have hope when everybody's in despair? Why is it that you, you seem to be so calm and everybody around you is coming apart? And then you can share the hope that you have within you. And his name is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And so the, the writer says that when we, again, when God begins to increase us, and we set ourselves apart to honor him and to walk in his ways and do the right thing and love one another and love our enemies and all those things that we get rewarded by that he says that people are going to seek after us. They're going to seek after the church. There's not a lot of people seeking after the church right now. But God, but, but God tells his people coming out of captivity, he said there's going to be people that will seek after you. But we have to set ourselves apart first in order to get ready to be sought after. And when they come, not be surprised because we know that God said it first to his people and then to us. Here's a couple of questions that I have. And uh, that is this. If you're, if you're planning to change, if you're planning to change something in your life, are you, are you expecting it to change without a strategy? Or without planning? And, and if you are, then I challenge you to say, wait a minute. Maybe there's something that I need to hear God. I need to plan. I need to strategize. Maybe you've just, uh, maybe you've planned and, and you've just given up. And God's showing this morning, no, um, don't give up. Don't give up. Go back. Try again. Ask for my power to come. Refresh you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Move through. There's a reward for you in that. Here's another thought. And that is when, um, when God brings the increase, everybody wins. When God brings increase to me, he brings increase to you. That's one of the, one of the things that, that I've noticed happened as we practice first fruits here at Crossroads is that, that as we started practicing as a church body and teaching and understanding it, everybody wins. Everybody wins. The budget is way over, way over where it should be. The, there's, there's plenty to help people. There's, there's, you know, we just we flow into generosity because everybody's winning. 
And it's not that everybody's giving or everybody's, you know, on target, but God just did something through that shift of, of first fruits. And, and it feels like that, that we, just, we just keep on winning. I hear testimonies of people, man, I gave first fruits this year, and God is just pouring it out like I've never seen. And, and, and that's the way it works because it's his word that's working. And so we have to realize that. And when, when God's glory shines, that uh, we're going to be sought after. Get ready, church. We're going to be sought after. And, and as we walk in humility, then we'll be able to help people come over their obstacles. But then we also have to examine whether or not we have stones in our lives. What's in between us and, and following the Lord? And we have to ask the question, does that stone need to be removed? Or is that stone actually a stepping stone that needs to be in the foundation for when we walk forward? Like that church that had those elders leave because of a doctrinal difference. They had to ask themselves, well, is this something that, that uh, uh, we need to examine and get them back? Or is God showing us that we need to keep what we have and use it as a foundation to move forward? And it's wisdom in both. Sometimes things need to be taken out. Sometimes things need to be tamped in so that we're able to walk with victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to look at increase. And uh, you say in your word that um, your kingdom is always advancing. Father, as we look at our lives, sometimes we feel like we're neutral or sometimes sliding back. But yet you always impart to us a, a fresh vision of moving forward. And so today, God, I pray that you would bring us to a new level of understanding that you want to increase us. Not the expense side, but the income side. Not the side of sorrow and distress, but the side of joy and hope. Not that we don't have moments where the world presses on us and we fall back, but we don't stay there. We rise up. As someone said about the Psalms that David wrote, he would be in distress and wondering where God is, but he didn't stay there long. He would always rise up and be hopeful, Lord. And may we be that kind of people exhibiting to the world that you're a God that's alive. You're not dead. You're not in the grave. You are living today, and one day you'll return to receive us. So, Father, we live in hope. We live in joy. We live in the reality of, of that you're with us, and you've not, uh, you'll never forsake us, Lord. What a blessing that is. Father, I pray for anyone here today that doesn't know you as Jesus is Lord. God, I pray that today they would receive you into their life. Just say yes to Jesus, and I want to follow you with my whole heart. God, I pray that if there's those here that need to pick up the planning or need to examine a stone or need to realize that we need to be set apart in order to be sought after, Lord, I pray that you would show us where we're at in this process so that we can embrace the increase that you want to bring into our lives and into the lives of your church. May we steward well until you come in Jesus' name.